Today, as I said at the beginning of Mass, is the third Sunday of Advent. Our Advent wreath is getting brighter and brighter. We're counting down the days. Our kids are excited. Hopefully all the Christmas shopping is done because uh, our FedEx and UPS men are, uh, are being overworked right now. Um, my brother-in-law included. Um, but it's a, uh, it's, a, it's a fantastic time of year. Uh, it's, a, it's a time right now where we, we kind of take a little bit of a, a detour, a little turn, right? Uh, in Advent where we stop preparing so much for the, the reunion that we have with God waiting for us at the end of our life, at the end of time. And we start preparing more specifically for God coming into our life in a special way at Christmas. Now, today, one of the central figures that we hear about in our Gospel uh, is a central figure to Advent as well, is John the Baptist. Uh, John the Baptist, you may, you may remember uh, from last week or from before, uh, John the Baptist, his entire life is about pointing to the Messiah. Everything that John the Baptist did throughout his life was about pointing to the Messiah. He recognized the Messiah and pointed him out. We go all the way back to the very, very beginning of his life when Mary receives the word from the angel that she's going to have Jesus. She goes out to meet her cousin Elizabeth. And Elizabeth is with child. And as Mary approaches, the child in Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy at the coming of the Blessed Mother and the Messiah in her womb. John the Baptist recognizes Jesus in utero. John the Baptist recognizes Jesus in the womb. So his entire life, from beginning to what we hear in the Gospel today towards the end, everything in his life is pointing to Jesus. He recognizes Jesus. When I think of the, the word recognize, um, I'll be honest, uh, there's one thing that kind of pops up in my mind. Uh, just, as a, just so y'all know, when, when a seminarian is assigned to a parish uh, and the priest doesn't know what to do with this, with this seminarian for, for two months, right? What ends up happening is the seminarian kind of hangs out in the rectory, watches a lot of TV, and doesn't do a whole lot. <laughs> That's not what I'm doing with Zach, so don't worry. Um, but like what we do, what ends up happening is the seminarian can have a really boring time. And there was one summer that I remember in particular that I, I, I didn't do much in the parish. I had a lot of free time. I was just kind of sitting around watching TV. Well, one of the shows that I kind of I started watching because they come on one after another, kind of like Fixer Upper comes on one after another, you know what I'm talking about? Like, it's, the, it's these little marathons that are built into the day. One of the shows that I happened to watch a lot one summer was Undercover Boss. Uh, Undercover Boss, if, you, if you're not familiar with the premise of the show, there's a boss of a company, and he goes undercover in his company, hence the name Undercover Boss, right? Um, so they might be the CEO of Popeyes, and all of a sudden they find themselves on the line and a, as a fry cook, right? Or they might be the, uh, the manager of all of Carnival Cruise Lines, and all of a sudden they're going to be a janitor on a cruise ship. They go from doing the elite stuff, they step down, and they do the nitty-gritty work. 
The real fun part, the drama really comes about, like it's kind of a sob story over and over. They hear the sad stories of the people that work there. And at the end, the people, they get rewarded, right, by their company. And it's a really good thing for the company, for the person, and for PR, and all these things. But every now and then, on an episode, there'll be someone who's not doing their job. And that's when the drama kind of builds up. Are they going to get fired? Are they going to get chewed out? How is, they, how is this going to happen? Will the person just kind of reveal themselves while they're working there and send them packing? All these different things. There's a little bit of drama, but what happens is, is that the poor person working there doesn't recognize their boss standing next to them. They don't recognize the person standing next to them of who they really are because they're in disguise. This, this popped up on my news feed this week because uh, apparently Drew Brees, I think in January, is going to be on an episode at Walk-Ons in New Orleans. So look out for that. It's going to be fun to watch. But they don't recognize the Hall of Fame quarterback standing next to them. They're not going to recognize the CEO that's working with them. I think what happens in our lives sometimes is that whether we're doing everything right, whether we're doing everything wrong, whether, whether we're, we're somewhere in between, I think a lot of times we don't recognize God involved in my life. We might be distracted. Might be distracted by all the things of the world, every screen that we have in front of us. We might be too busy. Our world around us might be too loud. We might just have three kids sitting in a pew with us right now and you, this is the first word you're hearing of this homily, Right? But a lot of times we have a hard time recognizing God being active in our life. That's what John the Baptist teaches us today. John the Baptist is showing us today how it is that we're supposed to recognize God working in our life. And it calls us to two other things. We'll get to them. But how do we recognize God? The scripture today is all about recognizing God. He's, so John, like I said last week, John is out in the, in the desert. He's wearing camel's hair. He's got a nasty beard, long hair. He's eating bugs and honey. And he's in a desert. And people are going out by the truckload to see him. People are flocking to the desert to go see him. Jesus at the end of the gospel today is saying like, what did you go see? Did you go see some plants? No. Did you go see somebody dressed in fine clothes? No. You went to see a prophet. You were attracted to John because he was a prophet. And people went out to him in the tr by the truckload because they knew there was something special about this guy. He was the perfect prophet, the best prophet. He was the last of the prophets of the Old Testament. Because all of the prophets in their ministry was pointing, saying, the kingdom of heaven is coming. God is coming. The Messiah is on his way. And John is the last one that says, there he is. John's entire life is about recognizing and pointing to the Messiah. Well, John finds himself in prison. So instead of him teaching his people, he tells his followers... The disciples, his disciples, the ones who have gone out to the desert over and over to hear his teaching, he tells them, go ask Jesus. I'm in prison. Go to him. And when they go to him, 
They go to him and they say, are you the Christ or should we look somewhere else? And Jesus, like he normally does, doesn't give a straight yes or no answer. And for us, we might miss what he's actually doing in today's gospel. Jesus says, I want you to go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind regain the sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the word of God, the good news, spoken to them. Why would Jesus answer in such a, such a dramatic way? Kind of a resume he lays out for them. Because Jesus is showing John's disciples, ones who followed John, ones who knew the Scriptures of the Old Testament, one who knew the prophecies of Isaiah, Jesus is showing that I'm the fulfillment of all the prophets. At different times in Isaiah, they talk about when God comes, He will cleanse lepers. He will, he will give a voice to the mute. He will raise the dead. He'll do all these things. And over and over again, this prophecy happens throughout the Old Testament. And Jesus finally says, not only am I the Messiah that's supposed to come, not only am I the one who's fulfilling what John has been pointing to, but He says, I'm also God Himself. I'm God incarnate. I'm the divine Messiah. Come to meet His people. Father, that, that's That's great. I like how you drew that there's a parallel between the Old Testament and the New Testament and that all these prophecies are leading to Jesus. That's awesome. But what on earth does that have to do with my life? I think one of the biggest things that we struggle with, as I said, one of the biggest things that we struggle with as, as, a, as a modern day people is that we have a hard time recognizing God in our life. You see, Jesus is still, God is still active in our lives. God is still active in the church today. God still wants to engage in the world around us and with us today. And it's in the same way that he used to. You know, Jesus, when he was walking around, he was healing these people. He's giving sight to the blind. He's opening the ears of the deaf. He's letting the mute speak. He's doing all these things. He's raising the dead. He wants to do that today as well. We all know people that have had God burst into their life in some kind of major, impactful, powerful way. And it might be you. Somebody who maybe went through CCD from kindergarten until high school, got confirmed, did all their sacraments, everything they were supposed to, went to college, might even went to Mass once a month. After they finished college, kind of fell away from the church. But all of a sudden, something, the truth of the faith that I had been hearing since I was a baby, clicked. Something clicked, where all of a sudden, it wasn't this message of hope, and this message of love, and this message of a God who wants to be engaged in my life. All of a sudden, it stopped falling on deaf ears. And it's like my ears were opened. You can't tell me that God doesn't heal the deaf today. 
What about, oh man, I always knew, man, after I, I did all the youth group stuff, like I was involved, powered by the sun, like the whole thing, right? Like I had the t-shirt and I went on the retreats and everything. And like, as I grew up, I knew I wanted to do something more with my church. I didn't know what. Until somebody said, hey, we, we, wanna, we want some help with working with our young people. Would you teach? Or we we doing this adult formation thing where we have in small groups, would you want to be involved? And all of a sudden, now I'm speaking about my faith. You can't tell me that God doesn't give a voice to the mute. Or even, even greater... The lepers, right? The lepers in the Old Testament were cast out from the... They were decaying. It's a skin disease that literally your skin decays off the bone. Like you die while you're still alive. What's happened is these lepers would be sent out of the community. They were thrown out. They were outcast. They were never to be seen in the community again until they were proven that they were cleansed of leprosy. They were dying and walking around. This, this Advent has been beautiful for me because I've, I've been able to sit in a confessional a lot. And one of the most beautiful things, one of the most exciting things, one of the most hopeful things I hear in a confessional is when somebody comes in and says, Father, it's been so long since my last confession, I can't tell you when it was. It's been 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, since my first one. Like, it's been a long time since I've been to confession, Father. And God's mercy meets that person in their sin. God's mercy is greater than their sin. That confession isn't a place of worry and of shame and of hurt, but it's a place of victory over the sin that is a disease on our soul. can't tell me that God doesn't cleanse lepers today. See, God continues to work in our lives. The question is, do we recognize Him or do we want Him to? In all of these cases, in every one of these cases, when Jesus is going around in His day-to-day -day ministry and He's giving sight to the blind or He's opening the mouth of the mute or He's cleansing the lepers, every time Jesus does a miracle in somebody's life, the next thing He says is repent. The next thing He says is go and sin no more. Repent of your sins. Turn your life back to God. John the Baptist teaches us this. He recognizes Jesus. Then he calls his people to repentance. This week, we've got two more opportunities for everybody to be able to come and, and receive the sacrament of confession. Before Mass, yeah, but we, we have two big opportunities in the evenings this week. I'll talk more about that later. But we have opportunities to come and experience God's mercy and repent of the sins that we commit. Because when we recognize God's action in our life, when we recognize God's love for each one of us, we, have, we want to be repentant. We want to turn away from sin. Because our love for God trumps our love for the things of this world for the sins that we fall into. But we, we recognize God. We repent of the sins that we have all for one reason. So that in 10 days, 
We can receive Him. Receive Him as a community. Receive Him as a church. Receive Him as an infant into our lives. Because just like on, the, on a, a goofy TV show where a boss steps down into the mud and the muck of, his, of the people that work for him, God steps down to each one of us from heaven. God steps down to each one of us from the heights of heaven and comes to us as a baby, as a human being, so that He can get to know us and He can love us even more. Are we prepared to receive Him? When we come to Mass, the the, the same pattern happens, right? We recognize God. When you come in, you genuflect, you bow, if your knee's hurting like mine does, right? If we come and we recognize God here, we recognize the sacred space. Before we receive communion, what happens? Behold the Lamb of God. Words of John the Baptist. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We recognize Him. At the beginning of Mass, I, believe, it, it, I confess to Almighty God, we repent. We, we recognize the sin in front of us and get it out of the way. We repent of our sin so that we can receive Him in the sacrament. For each of us, we have 10 days left before, before Christmas. We have 10 days left before the Lord comes into our life and desires to come into our life in a new and powerful way. The best way for us to prepare is to first recognize Him. Not only in the Mass, not only in a church, not only when it's easy, but in our world. In private. In our own prayer. The next thing to do is to repent. When is the last time you went to confession? If it's been a while, <laughs> door's open. If it's been a while and, and, and you know what, I don't know what to do, that's fine. Just come talk to me. We'll talk it out. <laughs> I'll walk you through it. We're called to recognize God in our life. We're called to repent of those things that hold us back from Him. All for the sake that in 10 days we can receive Him more perfectly. It's a way for us to prepare a place for Him. It's a way for us to to clear out all the junk in our life so that God can dwell in a place that He's supposed to. His rightful place as King of the universe and King of our life. Recognize. Repent. And then we receive.